0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everything in between, welcome to the Kevin Clifton Show. And uh, I've got another special guest on this week. Um, I've been wanting to get a producer on for a while because obviously there's a lot going on with this global pandemic that has thrown the theatre industry into chaos, really. Um, So I wanted to get a producer on the show to talk uh, uh, about it from their point of view. So I've got on the show this week... The producer who I've been in a couple of his shows. So I was in um, Rock of Ages and also in The Wedding Singer. And actually, it's from Rock of Ages where I got the intro to the show from. It was that every day they'd come over and say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everything in between. This is your five minute call. That's where I've got that from. Um, but we have Mr. Dan Looney on the podcast. How are you doing, mate? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you.
1: I, I had no idea that that, that, that link was there from Rock of Ages. Yeah,
0: that's, that, that, that's what they used to say every, like every show on um, for our five-minute call and for our beginner's call oh, and nice. all that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everything in between. Um, and apparently Lucas asked for it. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me, yeah. <laughs> surprise me <laughs> um, so I, I, we did uh, Wedding Singer back at the beginning of the year and that seems like a long time ago now. That feels like a million years ago. I, I sort of see it like... <laughs> this little pre-pandemic, um, like this nostalgic look back at It's almost like a a simpler time when when everything was fine, you know? (laughs) The the biggest thing we had to
1: worry about at the time was Storm Dennis.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And that seems like, that seems like the most dramatic thing in the world at the time. Yeah. Like, oh no, we were going to lose one show potentially. And then this happened. It's nuts. It's actually nuts.
0: Yeah. And, and I sort of look, look back on it like, oh, can we not go back to that time? Because it was a really lovely show and, and, and the whole team was was so nice. Uh, and we performed for about a month and, and just, I sort of loved every second of it. And and, and then everything went mad and turned to chaos. So I, I was um, in rehearsals for Burn the Floor. Yeah. It was in, what, March? when all this kicked off, I was in rehearsals for Burn the Floor when we just suddenly got told, you're going to have to go home. Um, so where were you and, and you know, on that, and, and in terms of work and stuff, what was happening with, with you and or any of your shows um, in, on that March day when sort of Boris went yeah. advising you not to go to the theatre? I'm not making it a rule yet, but I'm advising yeah. you. <laughs> well,
1: that that was a nightmare because we had... The only show that we had playing was Curtains with Jason Manford, yeah, oh
2: yeah, um, Yeah. which
1: was in which was in Leicester, and Boris made that announcement, and then what? Like all of the West End shut down, and pretty much every single show in the country stopped, except for, from what I'm told, Us and Million Dollar Quartet, and that's because because Boris had said we advise Mm. the theatre Leicester, which which has now gone uh, into administration, unfortunately, (laughs) um, they they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us pull the show, even though Boris had advised not to, because they were like, we don't, we think this invalidates the, insur- the insurance. Yeah. So we've got all of these casts and company going, are we on tonight? And it was a very strange performance for them all because they kind of all knew it was their last show. Whilst everybody else kind of got shut down immediately, even though our show a Million Dollar Quartet had to go on, I think those casts went on knowing it was their final shows, which right. for them was probably quite nice, but it was a very very strange time driving to Leicester the next day to kind of talk through the company as to what was going on and what was happening and what we knew and at that point we knew nothing we we didn't know what was going on or how long it was going to be for and it was uh but that again that feels like a million miles ago mm-hmm. million years ago
0: so so at the time it was that it was more the theatres saying to you like be, because Boris hasn't technically shut us down we want you to carry on
1: yeah well. No, everyone was so confused by this, this ruling that it was just advisory. I think it was just a way for the, you know, in my opinion, I don't want to get too political. I think it was a way for the government to make it very easy Mm. to shirk the responsibility. It was therefore down to everybody else. And of course, everyone's going to be responsible because that's what the theatrical community is. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, it it was a lot of stress over a good 48 hours that, um, that came came out of nowhere
0: really mm. yeah because um yeah the insurance things an interesting one because i think that that's sort of a thing that hasn't been talked about that much you know when you see everyone on on social media mm. like there seems to be a lot of uh, opinions uh, either save the arts and then and then people going oh there's more important things in the world but there's sort of economic and, and financial things to consider i suppose whoever makes that decision at that point to pull the plug on the show whether it's the theater or whether it's the production company itself, or or whatever stands to lose out on a load of- well exactly no nobody nobody wants the responsibility
1: of making the decision mm. because in in the in the world that we live in now where everybody is suing each other all the time
2: right.
1: nobody wants to make that decision because nobody wants to go to court saying we were the ones who forced it yeah. you're, you're always looking for a thing called force majeure which is basically right. um you know it's like an act of god or Um, you know, something way beyond anybody's control as to why a show has to close. And then it also puts producers in a tough situation because certainly on shows where you're not making a huge amount of money or you're losing money, it's the whole thing of, you want to be able to pay off, you know, two, two week notices or more if, Mm -hmm. if, if other, you know, if, if cast or company have longer notice periods, but suddenly you've got no, you've got no ticket money coming in. Mm. Um. It was just. I think it it was a struggle for so many producers at the time because no one, no one's ever had to go through this. The West End has only ever shut for two days before, you know, uh, since since World War Two. And even even then, you know, somebody was saying to me that the biggest gap that they had in World War Two, with nothing playing in the West End, was like three months or something because you know suddenly Churchill wanted theaters open, and I think that's what Mrs Henderson presents is. Uh, you know loosely based on I could be making all of that up by the way but I'm sure that's what someone told me so this is just a really crazy time mm. um and and a lot of people have just had to play it by ear and we're all in this kind of new world of um not really knowing what is next mm. you know we can all we can all take a guess but no one really knows no one no one thought he was going to go on for this long I certainly did
0: mm. well th- there's a there's a Churchill quote that I keep seeing, and I, I don't know whether it's a real one or not, but like I keep seeing this thing with Churchill's face, and, and w- w- when the debate comes up about whether you know the arts are important or not, and and, and there's some sort of quote where that Churchill apparently said like if, if we haven't got sort of arts and culture, then we, what what have we got to come back to or something? Yeah, what have
1: we what have we got to fight for?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really hope yeah. he said that. Like, I've seen a few people put it up, and then I've seen <laughs> yeah. a few people go, oh, no, well, actually, it's not a real quote. He never actually said that, da-da-da-da-da. I really hope he did.
1: <laughs> well, hashtag social media. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Just in, in terms of, like, the relationship between a pro- the production company and a theatre, you don't even necessarily have to say, like, what exactly you've done with your shows, but how does it normally work in, in terms of does do you, like, buy into a theatre, like pay the theatre a fee and then – you take ticket sales or whatever, or does the theater pay to have a show come in and then they get a percentage of it what's, what's norm in West End and tours, and, or is it a mix? There
1: are, there are various different deals when you're touring. In the West End, you're, you, you pay the theater a, a rental. Right. Um, and then you pay for the cost of the theater
2: mm.
1: and then you take the ticket sales. That's kind of the majority of the time. Um, and then on tour, because you're going to different venues, it could be either that you just split the box office right. in a certain way. It's very rare that a venue in the UK will pay for you to come in, which is called a guarantee, which is right. what the, the US and international system is. Um, and then there's other things as well. like uh, They have a thing called call deals where you say, my first call is I take this amount at the box office, then you take that amount. And then I take the next lot and you know, etc. But I, it's it's very different depending on where you're going, the size of the venue, how popular the venue is, um, who it's owned by. Um, it it can be a completely
2: mm.
1: wide variety of deals.
0: Mm. So how's how's it affected like your shows going forward? Were you like working on anything in particular, sort of going into this period, or like have you had to delay any shows, cancel any shows? How, how's it? affected? Uh, well, I would
1: say that I would say that that myself and Adam who run d lap entertainment mm. um d lap has been we've been relatively lucky I would say because we already knew that we were we were taking a lot of twenty twenty off we weren't producing anything this year because we're changing tact with the way that we're moving forward as a company um so we knew that we didn't have a lot on anyway. So we didn't have any shows that we'd put a lot of money into already or things that were in rehearsal. The only thing that we had out on the road at the time was Curtains. Um, Rock of Ages was the next tour of Rock of Ages was meant to open in uh, February 21. It's now been moved to May of 21. We just moved that back because we just again it costs so much money to put on these tours. Mm. The last thing we want to do is get to a position where there's still something happening in February and we're not really ready to,
2: yeah.
1: to go yet. Um, I also know as well, like all of the tours in 2020 are trying to move into 21 and all mm. of the tours in 21 are moving into 22. So all of the theatres were having to rebook everything. So we moving to May just freed up a lot of space for some of those venues as well. Right. Um, you know, so I can't, so for us, I, I can say that we're going to come out of this in a in a relatively okay position we've we've spent the time being productive proactive innovative and 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 just focusing on what we were already doing for 21 and 22 and actually we've had a few projects move forward into 21 that we would never have had i do know however that some of our producing colleagues in other com- in in other production companies have really struggled because You know, some of them were in rehearsals when this was happening and the amount of money as a producer you would have spent by that point Mm. that you're never going to get back is crazy. Mm.
2: Um,
1: you know, and there's some companies that had three, four, five, six, seven different productions, all planned for 2020, which have all gone under, were all financed, were all, had all spent money. So the amount that they would have lost is crazy. And then you have, I don't want to get too into it, but you have this whole thing of when you, when you get an investment into a show, your investor knows what percentage of the capital they're investing in. Yeah. So if you've then got to go and raise more money later on because you've got to re-rehearse the cast or whatnot, you've got to get all of your investors to agree that their share is now smaller because you're right. having to increase the capital. So if you've got seven or eight shows, it's a really tough situation for them. So it's um, it's been hard to watch in places, and we've assisted where we can to all of our friends and colleagues, but it's been really hard to watch some, uh, some producers just lose everything that they've been building for so many years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think we, we, we tend to sometimes forget about producers. We tend to think of producers just as bad guys, money guys, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the guys that walk around on like golden thrones, which as you know, <laughs> knowing me is just so not true. <laughs> and I think we sometimes just forget from this how much producers will lose out and how and commercial producers are going to get nothing from this government. Nothing. Yeah. And we've got nothing so it's um yeah it is it is fight for survival for a lot of companies right now
0: yeah and and in terms of like the um the theaters because we're hearing a lot of like theaters are closing is that mm. is that just to do, is that to do with just like running costs and and staff and, and and all of that sort of stuff
1: yeah i mean the majority of theaters touring theaters in this country don't they don't turn over massive profits not well not when you're looking like what i'd call the b venues yeah um like if you take for example this week they've you know they've announced that blackpool Grands might be going under well that's not a theater that was making anybody rich but it was a great theater for the community yeah now they've they've got rents to pay on the venue i would presume like unless they own it but at the same time they've also got to pay for the upkeep of an 125 year old venue they've got a you know you've still got a um you know, for example, if you're furloughing your staff, you've from from August or September onwards, you've still got to pay a certain amount to it. If you've got no ticket sales coming in, you're 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 dried up as well. Think about all of the theatres that had spent a load of money on marketing for shows that then have never happened. Yeah. So they've outlaid a load of money to not get those tickets back. So it is a really worrying time, and you know, I I I, I do urge everyone to be patient on this. 1.57 billion bailout. I know that it's not going to freelancers and actors really, which is, you know, um, a shame.
2: But a if lot the, of it, it is going yeah. to be a
1: portion too. Well, from what I've been told, a lot of it is is going to bail out the venues and the brick and mortar right. theaters. That's what I've been told, um, and I know that that is a long grant process that is probably means most theaters won't receive that money until later on this year. Right. Um, you know, I do think that we need a bigger bailout. I do think that we need to extend the furlough period in the sciss SC, whatever it is, yeah. um, system for the self-employed. Certainly, for any sector that is not be, that is forced to close, as we currently are, that all needs to be extended. But there is money going to the theatres, and I, I do know there's a lot of theatres that have told me they will survive because of it. Right. But there are too there are too many that can't wait for that grant to come in. They're they're struggling now, and we've already seen. Uh, you know half a dozen theaters already go mm. um you know i mean the nuffield in southampton was a big blow um i think there was the i think it was called the anvil or something in basingstoke that mm. went like within the first week of lockdown um it's a scary time and the last thing we need is to come out of this losing a load of regional venues because that will affect you know that will affect the tours yeah um and certainly shows like you do with burn the floor mm. you know that as that a as a one to two night to show mm. as you know you can go to loads of Venues, which is which, feels very much like a community theatre. Yeah. You've got an audience. There's a community, and they need that. Yeah. Um, so to lose them would be would be a massive, massive blow.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and and as you say, a lot of the people that seem to be struggling the most are the sort of self-employed. Um, you know, anything from sort of techies and props and and yeah, everyone and, and sound and they're just getting nothing from the government, right? Um, yeah, I
1: mean, obviously anybody who's been on the self-employed thing has been eligible for this grant, but as anybody, as everybody knows, it doesn't, it doesn't cover what you would have been making. Mm. Certainly if you were a freelancer. Um, but then I know there's a lot of people that have slipped through the gaps because some people have worked on PAYE for some producers and therefore they they, then don't, they can't, but they're not on that contract anymore. So they can't be furloughed, but they can't get the grant. So I know a lot of people have received zero from this, which is shocking. I mean, Let alone the fact that this is what people have, you know, no no out-of-work actor, stage management, techie or whatnot wants to be going and working in Sainsbury's. Like you don't, you don't, Mm. you don't, you don't want to do that.
0: Mm. There's um, nothing wrong with that. It's just that's not what. No, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not what you do. So then,
1: on the same point, if you're then not being able to earn the money that you used to earn, and you can't then, you know, I know a lot of people struggling with mortgage payments right now. It's a really, really hard time for everybody in this business, and. Again, I, I, you know, I, I think the government needs to step up on that and realise that if they're going to make the ruling that theatres can't open as early as mid-November, um, they, it, they're restricting the sector. And knowing as well that the likelihood is is that they're not going to, um, you know, from what I'm hearing, social distancing will probably extend through to the early part of next year. Right. Well, that means that no theatres can be at 100%, so again, you're restricting a sector, you're therefore restricting people from working. And they need to step up, and they need to do something about that because a lot of people, once this final grant goes, I, the, people are going to struggle, and it's going to be it's going to be a mess. Mm. Talk,
0: talk to me about the, like the mechanics of that. Like, if if they're saying right, we've got social distancing in place, and we're allowing um, obviously they're allowing sort of outdoor <laughs> things to happen, but like let's say we're, we're allowing indoor theatre to happen again, but socially everything has to be socially distant. Um, in terms of the cast and rehearsals and also and mm. also the audiences like what how, how does that even work like, like with rehearsals what? for the cast and how does it work on stage? Yeah. and then i don't
1: i don't actually know the answer to it with the rehearsals and the cast only because i'm hearing one thing but then i'm seeing for example like sleepless opening at troubadour yeah you know that's a full cast full load of people on stage touching each other mm. you know um and I don't know what they've done for rehearsals. So that's something that I probably need to educate myself on more.
0: Do you know as far as from the the, quarantine you, together or anything? Or?
1: Have no, I'm presuming they've had to do like a bubble, yeah. very similar to, to like what sports events are doing. Mm. Um, and I know that when Six was going to do the drive-in uh, tour, yeah. I know that they were going to travel as a bubble as well. What happened to them, um, by the
0: way? Because that that didn't happen in the end, right?
1: It didn't happen, no. It, no. It's, I, I, I know why, oh, okay. I'm not allowed to say. Okay,
2: <laughs> fine, 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 fine. <laughs> um, over that
1: you know but yeah it 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 was a huge shame because i think that was a beacon of hope for a lot of people but the social distancing thing with indoor theaters look we've heard it enough from from cameron and from andrew it doesn't work you know i mean if you've only got a third of the audience well immediately think of like um rock of ages in a with everybody spread out yeah like creatively it doesn't work Mm. um and i think there's very few shows where it creatively would work Economically, it just doesn't work. Shows are too expensive. People don't understand that if you're a musical, you know, a rock of ages would, would need to take 60% capacity every night just to break even. Like that's not even recouping its investment. It's just to break even. Mm. So to, to say that you could, you, that things that can be back to normal, you just need to limit your audience financially doesn't work. And certainly in West end venues where, you know, like if you take Dear Evan Hansen at uh, an 800 seat venue. Again, that is an expensive American show. It's not going to work. So the whole idea that we can do social distancing indoors and get back to normal is not possible. However, I do applaud what's happening now at the national and what's happening at um, you know outdoor theatres etc. Where they are tr- they are making things work now. And certainly, if you can produce a one man play, for example, then you can get an audience in. But it's also a one man play. You 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 you're choosing shows that mean that a lot of actors and stage management and technicians, um, aren't, aren't going to be working at. And if you've only got a third of the audience, I don't know. What's the deal with like front of house stuff as well. We we always forget about front of house and, and all of that sort of stuff. So it's, um, it's not um, economically viable, but it's great to see that there are producers and theaters out there doing, uh, you know, at, at least getting some sort of theatre going at this point, point. Mm. Um, and I think Jesus Christ Superstar at Regent's Park is getting a great reception as well, which I think is awesome.
0: Right? Um, have you got an instinct like like for whatever conversations you've had with you know other producers or or, or um, theatres or whatever? Have you got an instinct for sort of a timeline, like when we're looking at for um, what? Like, have you got an instinct? Like, I know no. Yeah, knows I mean, the... I,
1: I I have an instinct of it. My instinct would affect a number of shows next year that are planned to go out. Um, I do think that whatever happens, I think the first thing to say is, and no government is going to be silly enough to try and take a second summer away from British people, We're, we're a very selfish country. It's not going to happen. Um, I, I just don't I just don't see that happen. I think next year, once social distancing is finished and it will finish at some point. Next year is going to be the year of the party. Everyone is going to want to be out seeing people spending money, um, having fun, realizing that you can't take anything for granted. so therefore, I do think that there's going to be a big resurgence with theaters, maybe it will be, be a little bit slower. I think that the you know maybe some of the what I would call the older shows might struggle to get audiences back in straight away. I know that the studies suggest that you know uh, audiences of kind of 60 plus or more hesitant to come back to the theater than young people are but therefore the younger shows like Rock of Ages like Heathers you know I think they'll bounce back pretty quickly next year um you know but certainly certainly you can see where my instinct is that I moved Rock of Ages from February to May yeah you know that's that's where my instinct is as to when I think it's a it's a safe point and there would be very few shows that I would feel comfortable with taking out from May next year Mm -hmm. at the moment Mm -hmm. because I just think we have to be careful we have no idea what a second wave is going to be, or what was going to happen with a um, a vaccine, et cetera.
0: Mm. Um, because it's already looking like um, it's sort of over for pantomime season, right? It's yeah, not going to happen. Which is-
1: it's that—that's the bit. That's what I was holding on to. I have to say, I was really holding on to getting to a point where pantomimes could open. Um, and when it became apparent that they weren't, that one, that one, that one hurt me quite a bit because i was telling anybody who would listen that i was absolutely sure that pantos would open yeah um but then the minute they said that they're not going to review it till mid november uh review the, the the guidelines it just made it impossible you know there's there's no you can't you can't wait that long mm. you know you i mean you've uh, you've done panto right
0: no i've never done a panto actually
1: you've never done panto no. mate you need to get on it it's so good <laughs> yeah it's so much fun
0: i've seen the best fun of the one. year yeah i've seen my sister in panto she did uh, sheffield. she was in sheffield yeah
1: yeah 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 it was really good oh, fun actually yeah yeah oh no panto's great anyway sidetrack um, <laughs> but yeah oh but also now sad because i know I'm not going to be seeing Panto this year. Yeah. I am a complete Panto geek. Okay. I'm such a Panto. I will go see Panto. If, if I've got friends in Pantos, I will go, I'll travel the country
0: to go see them. <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's great fun. Because people do so for the theatres as well. Like Panto is like a godsend for them. Is that just because like, are they just always packed? Like just...
1: Yeah. Oh my God. If you're, if you're a theatre, you could make a loss 11 months around the year, but you will pack out Panto. It is it the biggest it is the biggest ticket seller of any genre in the country. Like, it dwarfs everything. Like, there are some, you know, I, and it's got to the point where it's crazy now. Like, I remember walking out of a Panto Cliffs Pavilion, South End, Mm. and they were giving us Leaflets for next year's Panto. I was like, it's not even Christmas yet, <laughs> and they're, they're saying it's never too early to book for Aladdin with Brian Connolly next year. And you're like, Excellent. what? <laughs> that's <is> crazy. <laughs> it's 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 nuts. It is the absolute biggest, and that's why you know, um, that's why you know, Panto production companies are are so sought after. You know, they're they're you if you if, you, if you, to be a successful Panto company is something that you as a producer want to be mm. uh, but you know it's so hard to break into because everybody wants to be in it right um because it's such a, it's such a great earner but it does it is the lifeblood of, of
0: regional theater right complete lifeblood yeah um what about when when people say um when when people say well can you not sort of do live streaming performances? Can you not perform like on stage and there might be a socially distant audience, mm. but you can like live stream it and people can buy on online tickets. Is that feasible in any way or is it just, it's not going to replace the finances and
1: um, worth it? I don't think that it's feasible in the long term from doing it inside a theatre mm. because certainly not if you're trying to do it like it's every night. Um, I, I don't think that is feasible. I think there is a, there is A feasibility with with a with a hybrid model between TV and theater, Mm. um, where it's not specifically just taking a load of theaters, taking load of cameras into a theater. The streaming thing is, the streaming thing is very interesting at the moment. Um, We've got a lot of content, a lot of it was free for a while, which I don't think helps. And there's a lot of concerts, but I do I what I what I'm now seeing is I think people people are missing story now they want story back again. So I do think there is a way forward. What the problem with it is just simple like underlying rights to things. Like if you're ba- if you're d- if for example the wedding singer yeah. we we couldn't do that because there's a movie studio attached to the wedding singer as part of the rights to the musical. So you've got to get the movie studio to say yes to you doing anything on screen. Yeah. Like so it's a really complicated situation. You've also, as a producer, you've, you've got to know that you you have to sell a certain amount of tickets streaming wise to make it work. So therefore you're still having to sell the tickets at the same price, but do people want to pay 50, 60 pounds to sit and watch it on a TV screen?
2: Mm-mm.
1: I wouldn't, but to be able to pay you guys the same sort of thing, yeah. Un- un- unless you guys are all going to take a massive pay cut, which no one's going to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I can already hear your agent going (laughs) mad. Like, it's just not going to work. Therefore, there is, I do think there is, and and this is something that we're working on, there is a hybrid model Mm. whereby you set it up to be a streaming musical. Mm. But I don't think that the the ability to be able to just take cameras in and just perform it every night and make that, it's just not going to work. I just... I don't feel confident that you're going to get the amount of tickets to be able to still run that show in the same way, because the running costs of the show are still exactly the same, whether there's an audience in or whether there isn't.
0: Mm. And do you think, um, like, so you're already saying that, you know, potentially there's a hybrid model, um, a, a way of going about things. Um, do you think with everything that's going on at the moment, everyone's sort of being forced to think outside the box a little bit and like, uh, okay, we've got some of the outside Performances, but now I'm also starting to see little things pop up. Like, um, I saw um, Ellie that was in Wedding Singer with us is doing this thing like a, a football stadium, it's like, yeah, set in a football stadium about, yeah, a fo- five or side football team. So the audience will be like in the stands, I'm guessing, of, of like the Dagenham and yeah. Bridge football stadium, and they're using that as like a theater venue. Um, that's how, that. Sounds interesting. Like that made me go, all oh, right. And, and we, we're big wrestling fans and we've seen how like wrestling are adapting. We to, are um, <laughs> adapting to the situation with their new Thunderdome and, and all of this. Hashtag, hashtag Thunderdome. Yeah. Um, do you think it's going to s- spark a whole new wave of like the way we go about theatre and different creative ideas? Or do you think oh. it's sort of this is a moment where we're going to have to do a few different things and then we're going to go back to normal?
1: I think it's a bit of both. But I do think that one of the positives we have to look at this is this is also, a, we're, we're pressing a reset button here.
0: Mm.
1: You know, we are, we are, give, and, and we have to, you know, certainly it's happening in America. Um, we, we have to look at this moment and go, what do we now, what, what business do we want to come back to? You know, my biggest thing in it is that I think a lot of this business is just a bit nasty. Too many people speak to people with, you know, uh, there's a lack of respect. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people have looked down on producers and then producers look down on agents and all of that needs to change right. and therefore i think that's one thing that i i'm really concentrating on making sure we come out of this business uh, sorry coming out of this pandemic to just a nicer business i do think that it's forced people to innovate and i do believe that if you sit back and wait for the status quo to return i think you might get left behind because I think that the status quo isn't going to return exactly the same. I do think that we are going to get back to a place of normalcy again, where we, we are still doing West End theatre and touring shows mm. and whatnot. But I think the choice of what shows now go on is going to be more thought about because we've been away for so long. Mm. Um, I think the platforms that we give people need to be better thought about. And I do think that this is also opened up We were already the whole immersive and site specific thing was already starting to build up anyway in this country quite well. And, you know, things like Punch Drunk really uh, drove that through. And I know that um, Celador are doing Monopoly and Saw, And, you know, I think all of those things are happening anyway. I do think that I agree with you. I think that this is a byproduct from this era. Um, God, are we going to call it an era now?
0: It's going to have to be, isn't How it? long it's going to be yeah. from
1: this pandemic, this era. We're going to be talking um, about it
0: when we're old, like in the way that like our grandparents would talk about the war, we're going to be talking yeah, about the pandemic are. era.
1: We are. It's yeah. going to be nuts. I think one of the byproducts from that is that we are going to have some more innovative things and people are going to think outside the box and think more creatively. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will regress back to the normal. Um. But I do, I do think there's opportunity there for real, uh, for real growth and innovation, which is never a bad thing. Mm. And
0: lastly, to the people that you know, when when uh, which I'm trying not to get too involved with now, but when the arguments start happening on Twitter, you know, like when when someone complains to the government, we need more help or da 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 da, you know, hashtag save the arts, and then you get the people saying there's more important things than than the arts. Like what? What's your response? To that, like, basically, why why do we need to save the arts? And you know?
1: well, look, I mean, those people are just ignorant to the fact that they're the sort of people that tell us to go get real jobs. Right. You know, they the, they forget that we've trained all our life to do this. As you know, I you know, I, I was an actor in the West End. I I I was doing this from as as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um. And those people are ignorant. I think, I think there's always been a a huge amount of this country that looks down on the arts and it and it's very much you know there's this apparent quote that's come out about dominic Cummins saying that the ballerinas need to get to the end of the line yeah. you know um people are always going to look down on us but i think it's this is a time where we're making our voices heard mm. to say this is a legitimate business and i think hopefully by us shouting and being loud about this people will realize that this is a business which gives so much back yeah to uh to to the to the economy of the UK and people are now starting to you know I love the people who say go get a real job and then they start saying did you see that thing on Netflix and you're like <laughs> yeah yeah <you> know, <laughs> that we, From, yeah yeah you know I I will never be one of these people that will sit and make a big speech as to why we need the arts because for me it's you know it's not for everybody mm. but the majority of this country go to the theater whether it's panto the majority or, or, or West End theater or touring, and everybody watches Netflix, and everybody watches TV. So therefore, everybody is linked to the arts. Therefore, their lives are going to be so much worse off, or maybe not worse off, but different, Mm. if they haven't got that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that's my answer, is that we have have to support everything, from theatre to TV to film. Everybody needs to be supported at this time, because we are actually getting to a point where Apparently, a lot of the TV shows—they're all running out. Yeah, they're all running out of content. Like we're going to get to like November, December, and there's going to be nothing there.
2: Yeah, Um, just just and and,
1: (laughs) yeah, and you know, it we we the arts are so important to so so many people. They bring so much joy and love. And the reason that I the reason that I loved performing so much was that if I had a if I had a crappy day, I'd go on stage. And you'd forget about it yeah and you would you'd bring yourself into a different world and it was like therapy mm-hmm. and i know so many audience members that say exactly the same thing that mm-hmm. they don't get when you watch tv or films mm-hmm. you're taken to a place where you see them in front of you and, and for just a couple of hours it, it's escapism yeah it give it it takes you away from some of the issues in your life and do you know what we probably need, need that more than ever now Yeah,
0: for sure that's a great answer uh, it was a long answer. No, I do this
1: thing where any any podcast or any interview, I always say, I apologize to all your listeners for my incessant waffling.
0: <laughs> no, I do the same. I, when <laughs> I first, just waffle. I've been doing this podcast about a year and I first set out, I thought I'll make each episode sort of 40 minutes to an hour. And I'm making a real effort now to try and just shorten it back down because I, look, yeah. I do the episode without thinking <laughs> and go, yeah, I reckon that was about 50 minutes, something like that. I look and it's been like, an hour and 50 minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, great? you're, you're going to have to edit this down. Does your sister listen to this, by the way? Yeah. Does she listen? We'll, we'll, we'll test that now.
0: Okay. Yeah, I want, she I want she
1: Yeah. Great, yeah. So she can text me once she's listened to it.
0: Yeah. That's a good test. Okay, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. John yeah. There we go. text Dan Looney. Yes. Business.
1: Also please can all your fans follow me on Twitter, Dan underscore Looney. Thank you so yeah.
0: much. And, uh, yeah, yeah so Dan
1: underscore Looney and... I'm Dan underscore Looney on Twitter and I'm Dan dot on Instagram.
0: Dan dot Looney on Instagram.
1: Yeah. Although I need to, I do need to post more on Instagram.
0: I know, I'm the same. I never know what to post on Insta.
1: <laughs> well, surely you have people do that for you now, no. haven't you, Kevin?
0: No. No? I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Thanks so much and hopefully um, we can get back to some form of having theatre again as we know it as soon as we will do we will
1: do and it will be a joyous time
0: and when rock of ages happens (laughs) if it happens at a time when it's doable text me
1: (laughs) we're trying we try all the time kevin you're just too busy always busy
0: (laughs) all right see ya all
1: right thanks man appreciate it